chapter six of the domestic slave trade of the southern states by winfield h collins this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter six slave prisons markets character of traders etc in all the large towns and cities were slave prisons or pens in which slaves were kept until enough for a drove or shipment could be collected the slave prisons ranged all the way from a rude whitewashed shed to large and commodious establishment accommodating hundreds of slaves a description of one of these the franklin and armfield prison which was in alexandria by andrews is rather interesting the establishment he says is situated in a retired quarter in the southern part of the city it is easily distinguished as you approach it by the high whitewashed wall surrounding the yards and giving to it the appearance of a penitentiary the dwelling-house is of brick three stories high opening directly upon the street over the front door is the name of the firm we passed out of the back door of the dwelling-house and entered a spacious yard nearly surrounded with neatly whitewashed two-story buildings devoted to the use of the slaves turning to the left we came to a strong grated door of iron opening into a spacious yard surrounded by a high whitewashed wall one side of this yard was roofed but the principal part was open to the air along the covered side extended a table at which the slaves had recently taken their dinner which judging from what remained had been wholesome and abundant the gate was secured by strong padlocks and bolts such was the slave prison of one of the largest and most prosperous slave-dealing firms there were many dealers who had no place of their own in which to keep slaves but were dependent upon the prisons of others indeed at washington the city public prison was often used by negro traders as a place of safety for their slaves the keeper was paid by the traders for the privilege this practice continued a great number of years in eighteen forty three the poet whittier thus describes the prison it is a damp dark and loathsome building we pass between two ranges of small stone cells filled with blacks we noticed five or six in a single cell which seemed scarcely large enough for a solitary tenant the heat was suffocating in rainy weather the keeper told us that the prison was uncomfortably wet in winter there could be no fire in these cells the keeper with some reluctance admitted that he received negroes from the traders and kept them until they were sold at thirty-four cents per day while no doubt some traders kept their prisons in as good condition as circumstances would allow there were others and probably the majority who did not a northern minister describes those at richmond in eighteen forty five as mostly filthy and loathsome places in the buying states two of the principal slave markets were natchez and new orleans that of natchez is thus described about eighteen thirty five by ingram a mile from natchez we come to a cluster of rough wooden buildings in the angle of two roads in front of which several saddle horses either tied or held by servants indicated a place of popular resort we entered through a wide gate into a narrow courtyard a line of negroes extended in a semicircle around the right side of the yard there were in all about forty 
each was dressed in the usual uniform when in market consisting of a fashionably shaped black fur hat trousers of coarse corduroy velvet good vests strong shoes and white cotton shirts there are four or five markets in the vicinity of natchez several hundred slaves of all ages are exposed to sale two extensive markets for slaves opposite each other on the road to washington three miles from natchez a slave market in new orleans was described in eighteen forty four as a large and splendidly decorated edifice which had the appearance of having been fitted up as a place of recreation it had a number of apartments a handsome archway and a large green lawn or outer court beautifully decorated with trees in this lawn the sale of slaves was held when a trader in the selling states had collected enough for a shipment or coffle they were sent to the markets in the buying states slaves were sent south both by land and water in the winter they were usually sent by water but in summer they were often sent by land in the transportation of slaves the utmost precautions were necessary to prevent revolt or escape when a coffle or drove was formed to undertake its march of seven or eight weeks to the south the men would be chained two by two and a chain passing through the double file and fastening from the right and left hands of those on either side of the chain this seems to have been the usual method of securing them the purpose was to have the men so completely bound as to render escape or resistance impossible the girls children and women usually were not chained and even sometimes rode in the wagons which accompanied the train the droves were conducted by white men usually on horseback and well armed with pistols and whips the negroes were usually well fed on their way south and when they arrived at their destination though their personal appearance was not improved they were generally stouter and in better condition than when they began their march pains were now taken to have them polish their skins and dress themselves in the uniform suits provided for the purpose then they were ready for market at the sale the auctioneer would descant at large upon the merits and capabilities of the subject the slave too often would enter into a display of his physical appearance with as much apparent earnestness to command a high price as though he were to share the profits he would seem to enjoy a spirited bidding each negro wished to be sold first as it was thought by them to be an evidence of superiority at the sales and auctions the purchaser was allowed the greatest freedom in the examination of the slaves for sale and he would scrutinize them as carefully as though they were horses or cattle the teeth eyes feet and shoulders of both men and women were inspected sometimes without any show of decency scars or marks of the lash decreased their value in market sometimes the sale would be lost for that reason in the slave trade there is no doubt that families were often separated though andrews tells of a trader sending a lot of mothers without their children in such a way as to lead one to believe such a case was exceptional negroes on large plantations were sometimes advertised to be sold in families nehemiah adams says that in settling estates in the south good men exercise as much care with regard to the disposition of slaves as though they were providing for white orphan children slaves are allowed to find masters and mistresses who will buy them 
another traveller in speaking of the slave auction at natchez says it is a rule seldom deviated from to sell families and relations together if practicable a negro trader in my presence refused to sell a negro girl for whom a planter offered a high price because he would not also purchase her sister as a rule negroes had a great dislike to be sold south in the early history of the trade this amounted to horror for them whether this dislike arose from the impression that they might not be treated so well or simply from the natural dislike of removing to a strange land is a question though the latter seems much more probable in eighteen thirty five however it appears that the virginia slaves were not so averse to going south for the reason that many who had gone there sent back such favourable accounts of their circumstances another phase of the domestic slave trade which it may not be out of way to mention was the traffic in beautiful mulatto or quadroon girls it was a part of the slave trader's business to search out and obtain them in new orleans or elsewhere they were sold at very high prices for the purposes of prostitution or as mistresses from a letter written in eighteen fifty by a slave dealer of alexandria virginia we quote the following we cannot afford to sell the girl emily for less than eighteen hundred dollars we have two or three offers for emily from gentlemen from the south she is said to be the finest-looking woman in this country in new orleans they often brought very high prices the liberator quoting from the new york sun in eighteen thirty seven concerning the sale of a girl at new orleans says the beautiful martha was struck off at four thousand five hundred dollars and in the new orleans picayune of the same year was an account of a girl remarkable for her beauty and intelligence who sold at seven thousand dollars in new orleans many other instances might be given but we think these sufficient a word now with reference to slave traders and the general estimation in which they were held in the south ingram says their admission into society is not recognized planters associate with them freely enough in the way of business but notice them no further a slave trader is much like other men he is to-day a plain farmer with twenty or thirty slaves endeavouring to earn a few dollars from the worn-out land in some old homestead he is in debt and hears he can sell his slaves in mississippi for twice their value in his own state he takes his slaves and goes to mississippi he finds it profitable and his inclinations prompt him to buy of his neighbors when he returns home and makes another trip to mississippi thus he gets started some traders were no doubt honourable men indeed andrews gives us a very pleasing picture of armfield the noted alexandria virginia slave dealer he describes him as a man of fine personal appearance and of engaging and graceful manners nothing however can reconcile the moral sense of the southern public to the character of a trader in slaves however honourable may be his dealings his employment is accounted infamous upon the whole no doubt the characterization of the slave traders by featherstone was a true one sordid illiterate and vulgar men who have nothing whatever in common with the gentlemen of the southern states finch says a slave trader is considered the lowest and most degraded occupation and none will engage in it unless they have no other means of support 
indeed it seems they were accounted the abhorrence of every one their descendants when known had a blot upon them and the property acquired in the traffic as well End of chapter six